0: Wow, what an incredible day. I find it difficult not to get emotional. I noticed that reed started welling up a bit. Anyone else see that as well? You know, good hard rocking reed was just welling up a bit and uh, I think I feel, feel the same. You know, I was saying to the team this morning, I pray that I would never become accustomed to this feeling that I have when I enter the house of God. I pray that every single Sunday, I pray that every single time I get to meet with you, I pray that there's a, an anxiousness that's not worry, but almost like, come on, I want to get to the house of God. I pray like David, that I'll be able to say, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. You know, one of the things that, I guess I want to be written on my gravestone. I'm not ready to die quite yet, so. For those of you that have hardly met me and already don't like me, I'll be around for a bit longer and give me a bit of time. I promise you, you'll probably dislike me then. But I pray, you know, one of the things that I want written on my gravestone is passion or zeal for God's house has consumed him. I love it. I was a, some of you know, if you know a bit of my story, and I was a social worker, child protection social worker, so I saw pretty much some of the worst things in life. And I felt like I was putting a Band-Aid on an amputation. That's what it felt like, and that's why I became, decided that I wanted to become a pastor. Not because I thought it was a good career move. I actually made the mistake of looking at the job that I would have had. This is when you know when you have those low moments every now and then, and you think if if I'd done that, if I'd taken that path, this is what would have happened. I realised that I would have been on at least three times my salary on another route. But I won't let that sway me. <laughs> but I, w- I became a pastor because I love the church. I don't love the church because I'm a pastor. And uh, you'll, you'll see that from me over the, the years that we have together. And uh, I, I, I just want to thank the incredible, thank you for the incredible welcome that Imani and I have had since we arrived. You know, we went straight into quarantine, arrived in Toronto, did the three days, came here, did quarantine here, and then an amazing team uh, set up our house here in Saskatoon. And I want to thank you for all your hard work that you did, because much of it was done on Canada Day. I didn't realize that at the time. And uh, so I want to thank you for that, and the gifts, and the cards, and the the enormous amount of food. I'm gonna have to run for the next 60 years to actually get rid of some of the food that you forced me to eat over the past two weeks. Um, but it has been an incredible, and I wanna thank you guys for that. I, in case you're wondering as well, I brought my go- bodyguards with me. The bikers that are down here, they're my entourage. So if you, if you don't like me, speak to Gary and Ben down there. But uh, Gary is probably one of my oldest friends. He, he lived with us in London 20 odd years ago. And uh, he lives up in Bonneville and he got on his Harley rode down here and uh, surprised me. I'm sitting in my office looking out of the car park and I see these two Harleys ride right, right up and I thought, here's trouble. <laughs> oh no, it's my best mate. <laughs> so uh, it was great to see, to see Gary and Ben. But uh, Dee says hello from the UK, I know she's, she texted me just before, and uh, she's, she would have loved to have been here. So please pray that things move swiftly for her over there. But are you ready to get into the Word of God this morning? Our first Sunday back together, I have a message that is probably the message, one of the key messages on my heart, and I feel so privileged to preach it to you this morning. So... Why don't you stand with me and let's pray? Father God, we thank you that we don't have to beg to be in your presence. We don't have to go through ritual or routine to be in your presence because it, your word promised us that where two or three are gathered, you are there right in the middle. And we know that there's a lot more than two or three. And your promises still hold true today. God, but what I do pray is that we will be so aware of your presence. More than ever before. That it won't be just because we're back together, but it will be something almost tangible that we can feel. Because you are here and that we are aware of you. In the name of Jesus, we agree together and said, Amen. Amen. Why don't you grab your seats? Let me say, if you haven't seen the sign already, welcome home. Welcome home. This is a new series that we're starting and probably, to be honest, we could go on almost forever with this series, but we'll probably be spending a month and a half, maybe two months, on this series over the summer. And I understand that many of you are coming and going and the phrase that I keep hearing over and over and over again is, at the lakes. Oh yeah, we are at the lakes. We are going to the lakes. We've been to the lakes. I get the picture, but I get a sense that people are coming and going and and that's that's great but what I want to encourage you I I really do feel that this isn't just another series this is actually vital for us as a church but also for our individual lives with God as well and it's simply the series God is because I want us to get to know God more enjoy your holidays recuperate rest be revitalized, but maybe come back. Or even while you're there, listen later on. You know, we're doing online now. It's going to be a bit later for a few weeks in the afternoon uh, till we get things sorted out. But I want to encourage you, come back to this if you don't get opportunity to watch it straight away. I want to say hi to all our online people. Great to have you with us. Engage with it. This, don't just sit and watch. Be part of who we are. Engage with worship. Engage with the Word. So, I want to encourage you to catch up when you have free time. And I love listening to podcasts and other people preach. It encourages me. I, I, sometimes it will be just a sentence, and I'll get a whole series from just one little. You want a photo? Okay. Okay. I'm a bit like Homer Simpson at times. I just wish I had a clutch between my mouth and my brain at some times like that. But, you know. I love listening to other people preach, but there is no voice like the voice of home. And that's what we, we've got to make sure as Circle, we've got to make sure we're listening. Yeah, listen to the, the, your favorite preacher, but listen to the voice of home as well. And this, I believe, is one of the most important topics that we can get into. God is. See, the more we know who the real God is, the more we will know who the real me is. The more we know who the real God is, the more we will trust him. We want to trust God. We want to have an incredible faith. We want to be people. I want to be a person of faith. But to do that, I need to know who I am trusting. I need to know who my God is. And the more I know, the more we know, the more we will be able to trust him. For the things that we don't know. I don't know why our house isn't for sale. I keep hearing the realtors say, Houses are just going straight off the market. If I have another realtor say that to me, I'll explode. Everywhere in the world. Apart from our little patch of land in the little village of Dipton. Thank you, God. But you know what? I've got to trust God in that. I've got to trust God in his time, and to do that, my prayer will be that I know him more. And The more we know who the real God is, the more we will understand his love for us. And consequently, I fully believe the more we know of his love for us, the more we will be able to love each other and other people. So this series simply is God is. And we're going to unpack some, maybe some familiar things like God is love. God is just. And maybe it'll be one or two things that you think, I have no idea what that means. But we want to get to know this God. And today, the first day back in the room, the first day when we come together, I just want to talk about God is home. God is home. And maybe you've never thought about that before, but there's one key passage that in a moment I want us to look at. You know last week as I said we moved into our new house and the team did an amazing job of getting everything prepared. They, Even with the enormous amounts of food they supplied us with every single day they still stocked the cupboards with food as well. I don't know how my, I, Imani, can eat all of that food. I'm gonna give it a good go just to say that. but. You see, everything was prepared in our house, and they did everything with expertise and passion and excellence, but there was one thing that they could not do, and I want to come back to that. Let me ask you a question. What makes a home? How, how do you define what a home is? And I did what every, every preacher does, and this is a bit of honesty. When confronted with a question like that, I did what we all do. No, nope, didn't read my Bible. I didn't go to the, to the latest biblical guru. I didn't go to Ambrose University. I didn't even ask Bernie. Maybe I should have done. I did what every pastor does. I Googled it. What is home? And there was lots of articles about the latest wallpaper and cushions and all the latest furniture and things that make home. But you see, none of these things really define a home. Not the furniture, not the curtains, not your favorite seat. And fortunately, not how tidy it is. Thank you, God, for that. See, it's an amazing thing that a beautifully decorated, furnished house may not be a home. Yet I've been in a single room in the middle of Tanzania. In the middle of a literally a hut with huts, mud huts around it. And it felt a complete home. No furniture. Just... Things on the floor, a cooking pot in the middle, and it felt like home. How is it that most beautiful houses can be a house, yet a little straw-thatched hut can be a home? So I come back to the statement about what the amazing team, and this is not to their detriment whatsoever. But you see, the thing the amazing team could not do is make the house a home. Imani and I moved in this week, and we love it. But it will truly, to us, it will truly become a home when Judah and Dee, my wife, arrive. It's our 24th wedding anniversary this week. We will be celebrating it 4,000 miles or so apart. I know, how could, you know, I was obviously 12 when we married, It was too much laughter at that point. That's all I can say. But you see, having my wife and my son there begins to make it our home. Presence, relationship, and intimacy turn a house into a home. That's really what I want to talk about over the next few minutes. Now, as I said, my background is in child protection, and I do understand for some of you in this place, when I say the word home, it actually brings up a lot of negative emotions. And I get that, because my job as a social worker would be to go in and assess everything that was going wrong or right within those environments. And that's, that's what I had to do, and sometimes the things could be so severe, and you might have experienced this, the abuse or the neglect the violence could have been so severe that it was deemed necessarily, necessary to take a child away. And that was always the end of the line for us. And so you might have experienced when I say the word home, the word might bring up feelings of abandonment, lack of safety, loss, abuse, grief, or danger. But if you bear with me, I'd like to maybe help reframe that word for you. Maybe help you just turn in a slightly different direction if that's okay. See, the old saying is, home is where the heart is, not house is where the heart is. It's not house, sweet house. It's home, sweet home. And we use the word home to define the difference between a geographical location and a heart location. We feel at home where there is peace, there is refuge, where there is comfort, where there is celebration, growth, where we feel welcomed, where we have the familiar. I've got a great office that's got a view across the car park, and, and the team, again, have done an amazing job just getting it ready for me, but I'm excited to have some of the familiar things in my office, my books, and, and some of the pictures that I have on the wall to make here, my office here, a bit more of a home, not a, a home away from home. This is now my, my home. This is, this is my place of abode. It's geographical, but it's also a heart location. But I need some of the familiar things. Do you understand that? You'll have the same thing. You'll think, oh yeah, I, I, I've got that, that thing at home. And that makes it, helps make it home for me. Where there's intimacy, where there's participation. We, we contribute in our house to make it a home, don't we? Where we are safe. And that place of safety helps us process grief and sadness. It helps us process our happiness and anger, sometimes the ugliness of life, sometimes the beauty and joy of life. Imani and I were at home when we are surrounded by the people and the things that bring us shalom, peace, community, prosperity. We've not just moved house. We are in the process of moving home. So let me say this God is home. I want to look at two different passages, uh, one passage, but maybe two different meanings from a, a statement from this passage. And it's from Ephesians 2. And this goes back to our theme and, and brings us into this theme of as one. Our vision or whatever you want to call it for the year is as one. Ephesians 2 19 to 22 says this. Consequently, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Saying God is home. We we circle, not just the whole church, not just church big time across time and, and geography, but us here in this place, in this room, but also for you guys online as well. See, as we are as one, as we live in unity, not uniformity, not the same thinking from everyone. See, I've got three kids and I love them all they're also a pain as well just to let you know that but they are so individual so so different in their thinking and in their ways of processing yet they're still my kids they're still part of our family when they think differently it doesn't mean to say they become less of a family it just means that they they are becoming their own person and we become as we are in unity, as we are a family, we become a dwelling place. God makes his home here. What an incredible couple of verses. And, and for me, as a still a British citizen, living in Canada, I love the initial statement about being a citizen. We, Even though we're from different countries, and I, I look across this room and I see so many different nations represented just in this place. How incredible is that? Do we have any Africans in the place? Come on, you can be African. I've been to Africa. If we've got any South Africans, that's nearly. Afro-Caribbeans and Africans, I, I, I love them because they're responsive to preaching. I like to, every now and then I like to hear an amen or that's good, John. It, it helps me and it helps the person next to you stay awake as well so that You know, even if you're not agreeing with me, what you can do is annoy them by keeping them awake. It's great. Works always. But you see, more important than any citizenship that happens through chance of birth, or or even what secular society would deem my primary identity to be, my identity and citizenship is of another kingdom. You see, you and I... We are fellow citizens, part of the same household. It implies intimacy. We're part of the same home. And here's what I love when we are home as one, in unity, God makes his home with us. When we are home with each other, get this, when we are home with each other, God is at home with us and we are at home with him. What an incredible statement! That is, when we are at home with each other, God is at home with us, and we are at home with Him. This isn't just a a place to come on a Sunday and worship, listen to the latest sermon, sing the latest songs, or sing your old favorites. That's not what this place is. This place is home, both for you and for God. Psalm 90. Verse 1 says this, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, our home through all generations. And you may think, well, that's nice. But you see, this psalm wasn't written by David. This was a psalm of Moses. Moses never found his locational home. Moses wandered the wilderness. But you see, he knew He knew that home wasn't about location, location, location. Moses knew his home was a heart location. John 14, 23. Jesus says this. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home, our dwelling place with them. That's what Jesus said. God says, I'm going to make my home with you. Moses says, God, you've always been my home. Wherever I've wandered, wherever I've roamed. Anyway, I'm not going to break into song. I want you to stay with me. Jesus himself says, I'm going to make you my home. He says this, though. When you're obedient to my words... When you obey, well, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Yeah, but look at what Jesus tells us to obey. We've just got to go back a few verses to John 13. And Jesus, in this simple command, redefines everything the people he was speaking to knew about. He says There's a new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He wasn't just setting a new commandment. In fact, it was an old commandment. If we look back, I think it's in Deuteronomy. This is an old commandment, love one another. But Jesus doesn't set a new commandment. He sets a new standard. He says that the standard, love one another, you can define how you love one another. The love, have you noticed that love is such a wide, has such a wide variety of meanings? I love hamburgers. I love rugby. And by the way, England absolutely trashed Canada in rugby. I know none of you care, (laughs) apart from Gareth and myself, and he's not even an England fan, he's a Wales fan. But Jesus says, "There's there's a new standard. Your standard was here. My standard's here. It's not love each other reciprocally. It's love as I have loved you. Unity. As one, so God makes his home with us, but we're also home in him. God makes us his home, and we make him our home. This thing we call church becomes his home and our home. Philippians 3 again talks about this citizenship the place where we truly belong. We have a new citizenship, and that's a citizenship in heaven, not on earth. Ecclesiastes tells us that God has placed eternity in the heart of man. And that means that that something that is permanent cannot be filled by the temporary. Although many of us actually try to do that in our lives, don't we? C.S. Lewis put it this way. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Can I just change? I know it's not, hes- it's not quite heresy changing C.S. Lewis's words. We were made for another home. You see, we find our home in the eternal. Psalm 84. And I, I'd love to read it, but I, I haven't got time to read it all. And I'd love for you to go home and just read this psalm. I, lo- I love the psalm. I love the poetry of it. This psalm basically says, God, your home is beautiful and I will make it my home. Let me read just a bit for you. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, who make your house their home. They are ever praising you. Go home, read it. It's an incredible psalm about home. Let me ask you, have you made church your house, your place of location? Or have you made it your home? The place where you find peace, the place where you find rest, the place where you contribute. Where you add yourself to it. Have you made church your house or your home? Because God is making this people you. You guys online as well, making this people his home. So why don't you? But it starts with your home. Whatever your color, ethnicity, culture, gender, age, your home. See, I, I know... I can read, as well as you, the latest reports. And over many, many years, we, the church, and please don't disassociate yourself and say, that was them, that was th- there. You see, we all represent the church. We are the church. In all, all our varieties, we represent the church. We haven't done well at times of representing Jesus. We've gotten it wrong over the years, and there's never, it's never been more evident to the wider world than now, especially with the findings of what's happened in the residential schools, mass graves with racism and misogyny. I don't know that it's, it's gotten worse. I don't think it has. I just think we're more aware of those things now. But also, can I say, maybe if you're on the edge of this thing called Christianity, On the edge of this this thing that we're talking about, about church, don't judge a philosophy by its abuse. We the church need to hold up our hands and say, we are sorry. We have wronged you in the name of Jesus and therefore we have also wronged Jesus. We can and we will do better to represent the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to our world, but this is your home. I know you're probably going to get sick of me saying it, but I want to say it again. This is your home. This is my home. This is our home. This is the place where I fully believe there can be peace. There is refuge. There is comfort. There is celebration. There is growth where you, where we, where I am welcome, where we have the familiar, where there is intimacy, where there is participation, we have the opportunity to contribute. The place where we're safe to process our grief, our sadness, our happiness, our anger, the ugliness of life, the joys and the beauty of life. A place to accept and extend forgiveness. We don't have a cancel culture in this place. It's a place of dialogue. See, as Christ makes his place, something incredible happens. As Christ, as we are as one, God, Christ Jesus, makes this place his home, and in that we begin to grow. It's the place where we are able to process our triumph and our tragedy. It's the place actually we become more like Christ we serve each other see in Philippians that tells us that Jesus took on the nature of a servant and one of the things that that most identifies us alongside of Christ is when we serve each other we take on the very nature of a servant we become more like Christ we love each other like him and we learn And this is important for you to to understand. We learn to love, and we learn how to be loved. For some of you, the problem isn't loving. It's understanding how to be loved back. It's a place where there's provision. Generosity is not an event in this church. It is a stance we take in life. In Acts mentioned a couple of times, you know, the, the birth of the church. It says there was no unmet need. Imagine that. No unmet need. And this is one of the things I love. I know it's from the message, but I love the phrasing just of this verse. Ephesians 5.26 says this, Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Have you ever thought about this? Church is the place where you get beautiful. So often we're called the bride of Christ. I think it was Coco Chanel said, there is no ugly bride on her wedding day. This is the place where as we are together, as we are as one in unity, it's the place where the church becomes beautiful. And believe me, I've seen the ugliness of church and I've seen her beauty. And I still stick with her. his words evoke her beauty. The challenge for all of us I believe is am I like Christ in that my words evoke the beauty in others? Can can we say that? I wish I wish that my words all the time would evoke beauty in others. I know that. I know that they don't always do that but I wish they did. Will I bring out the best in others like Christ does in me? Can I for a moment use the word home as a verb? God homes with us. We home with him. Maybe for you, you're still searching for your home, your dwelling place, that place to belong, the place where your soul can find peace. You'll only find that in God, in his love, his grace, and his forgiveness, but We home in God, and He homes in us, then our church, our community, should reflect both of those statements. Welcome home. Welcome home to those that have been here. Those of you that have been here since church has started. Those that are here for the very first time, and maybe that's you online right at this moment. And everyone in between first-timers and old-timers. Welcome home to our indigenous people. Welcome home to our young adults, to those who, like myself, were born in other countries, to those whose skin color is unlike my own. Welcome home to the families. Welcome home to those without families. You, we can find home here. Why? Not because we're a welcoming church. We are. I believe that. But you can find home here because God makes his home here. That's why this place is home. And here is one of the challenges for us. Ephesians 4, 2 to 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace see we make every effort it's hard work it's hard work bearing with each other obviously not you i'm talking about the person sitting next to you they are hard work but we make every effort we stay humble we stay patient and then this place becomes god we have a place to contribute this is the place for his presence. And when we're in the presence of God, there's healing. There's new life. There's marriages restored. There's joy. We, we're refreshed. We find mercy and grace. We are content. We don't have to fear. His goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives. It's the place. This home is the place where our words evoke beauty in others. Now that's a church I want to belong to. I believe this is us. A church where God makes us His home as we make Him our home. God is home. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Thank you that you've already made this place your home. Thank you that there are people here right at this moment making a decision saying, yeah, that's, I want to be part of this place. I want to be part of making this place home. Thank you for that, God. God, we're sorry when we get it wrong, and we do. But getting it wrong doesn't mean to say that we are excluded from the family. God, I pray that we will always be aware of your presence in this place, in this home. I'd love just for a moment for you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you've been following us online and tracking with us and speaking to the guys online as well at the moment, you'll know that one of the things I love to do is always extend an invitation for those of you that don't know Jesus. You've never experienced His grace, His love, His forgiveness. Or well, maybe you've, you've done that, and like the prodigal son, parable that Jesus tells you, you you've gone away. For whatever reason, you've, you've left the family. Maybe you've been felt excluded from home, but now's the time to come home. You're saying, I was so much better off when I was part of that family. I want to come home. Maybe even you're a young person like me. You've grown up. In a Christian home, you've had that privilege. And Right now, you know that God is saying, I want you for myself. I want you, I want my relationship to be established with you, not just through your family, the, the, the family faith that you've had, but my relationship, I want with you. And you're going to say yes to Jesus, yes to His grace, His love, His forgiveness, yes to come home to Him. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you know that I'm speaking to you, you've either never made this decision or you're, you're coming back into the family or you're a young person that's grown up in this church and you know now is the time to say yes to Jesus for yourself as every head is bowed, every eye is closed. All I want you to do is simply raise your hand. That's for no one else in the room. That's just for me. Maybe one of the team might see you as well, but you're saying yes to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I'd love in a moment just to say a prayer with you if that's okay. And it, the words I'm saying may hopefully just articulate what's happening in your heart at the moment. Maybe you're, you're someone that you're thinking, I, I wish I'd put my hand up or I know I I want to make that decision but I couldn't put my hand up. That's okay. Just say this prayer along in your, in your mind with me and Do you know what? At the end of that, this is what I want us to do. Because I don't know what's happening. But we're going to celebrate. We're going to clap at the end of this prayer. And the reason we're doing that is because heaven's already doing that. Jesus tells some parables about the lost being found. And it says that, that everyone celebrates when the lost are found. And we are just joining with what heaven's already doing. So let's pray. Dear God, I come to you now. And I give you my life. I'm coming home. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I ask that you take control of my life. From this moment forward, I am now a follower of Christ. Amen. Why don't we celebrate?